0: Welcome to Pod Academy.
1: You're listening to Potential Difference, the electronic engineering podcast with me, Dr. Radu Spora. This series of programs is devoted to technologies which still have a long way to go before they become part of everyday products, but which show real promise of changing the way we think about energy-efficient electronics. I have deliberately avoided interviewing or quoting the most established and well-known scientists and engineers. Instead, you will hear from some of my young colleagues, researchers and doctoral students from the Advanced Technology Institute at the University of Surrey. I hope that their accounts from the coalface of electronics and materials research will demonstrate the tremendous enthusiasm and interest that exists in these potentially world-changing technologies. A great advantage of podcasts and audiobooks is that you can still enjoy them after lights out. But light is an essential ingredient for most active human pursuits. Early members of our species prolonged their hours of activity by burning things in order to imitate sunlight. Even back then they kept an eye on energy efficiency, as some things burned less well than others. In the 19th century, pioneers like Joseph Swan and Thomas Edison successfully harnessed electricity and used it to heat up materials until they glowed white hot. For more than a century, incandescent bulb technology has been the way to light a supper, and for that matter, a fancy dinner soiree. But last year, the L prize for efficient lighting showed that we can do a lot better. The winning design by Philips, a long-standing expert in all things lighting, is six times more efficient than a conventional bulb, and a third more economical than efficient light bulbs. By heating up materials or burning them in an attempt to produce light, We waste a lot of the energy as heat. Efficient light generation, as the prize-winning approach shows, relies on semiconductors. Dr. Lynn Rosansky is a research fellow working on efficient energy conversion. She explains.
0: In basic form, semiconductors are materials that, if we're putting in electricity, they can actually convert that electricity to light. So most of the semiconductor materials we use are in light-emitting diodes, which allows you to only flow electricity in one direction, and the end result is the light comes out as that electricity absorbed by the material, and it converts it to light. What we're interested in LEDs for is the fact that they do have much higher efficiencies than existing lights. They're much more efficient at taking electricity and converting it into light outputs. Unlike traditional light bulbs, they don't waste most of that energy as heat, and the end result is they will emit different wavelengths of light, which is simply just describing different colours of light.
1: Efficient generation of coloured light is all well and good, but rare are the instances when a deep red ambience is all that's required. White light, which resembles the sun's rays, is the most versatile and most desirable. So how do we create white light? Lynn Rosansky. White
0: light being, of course, the combination of many different colors together. And these things can be used in individual colors emission. So that's for use in TVs, mobile phone screens, computer screens. We can emit individual colors of red, green, and blue. Or we can slap them all together and get white light out.
1: In the last episode, we've heard that organic semiconductors can be much cheaper to make into electronics through their ability to be processed from a liquid state. Are they any good at producing light?
0: Well, a new type of the light-emitting diodes are the ones based on organic materials, and a lot of the organic materials are small molecules. The easiest way to think of them is almost like a dye molecule, so they can absorb light and then re-emit it in a different color. And they are very good at producing closer to single color emissions of light, so you can get a very nice deep red, you can get a beautiful blue, very bright green. They're very good at absorbing light and emitting light. They're not quite as good at taking electricity and producing light, so that makes them a little bit less efficient than the traditional LEDs that we've seen on the market. But... They're very cheap, so that's quite nice. And the fact that they can be processed in solution means that we can do very large areas very quickly and for a very reduced cost. So the idea is that these would be very good in perhaps replacing traditional light bulbs, so you would have a whole panel in your ceiling that's emitting a very nice white light.
1: But coloured light emitters have another very useful application. Display screens. Organic light emitting diodes, or OLED, are starting to be used in palm-sized screens as a consequence of their improved energy efficiency. Conventional displays use liquid crystals which act as taps or valves for the light coming from a white backlight. Different colors are generated by directing more or less white light through colored filters using these liquid crystals. When the displayed image is dark, the liquid crystal valves are mostly closed, so little light gets through. But the white backlight is still shining at full power, and that's not very energy-efficient. In OLED displays, the light-emitting diode produced just the right amount of light required to display a certain image. A dark picture will draw a lot less power than a completely white one. And as most scenes are not even 50% bright, significant energy saving is possible. OLED display screens are arrays of millions of red, green and blue LEDs. These light emitters are small enough, so that when viewed from a distance, the light they produce blends. Varying the proportion of red, green and blue light lets us display any colour. But this raises some problems in the long run. Dr. Chris Mills is working on improving the performance and robustness of organic light emitting diodes.
2: One of the problems with LEDs is that when you want to make something like a display where you need different colours, the materials that we use in the organic LEDs, they degrade at a different rate depending on how much they have to be used. For example, blue coloured LEDs, they start to die a lot faster than, for example, green or red LEDs. The problem is when you've got a display, this of course affects the colour properties of the display or, or the television or whatever you're looking at. You can get around this by playing with the amount of electricity that is given to each of the polymers, that if one polymer is degrading faster than the other polymer, you can uh, increase the electricity of that polymer. But in that, and that of course, that causes problems because you're trying to keep the amount of electricity used as low as possible. Over the past decade, OLED
1: technology has progressed very rapidly but it seems that OLED lifetime and energy efficiency are still to be improved. Judging by the enthusiastic activity around me in the lab, many improvements are still to come. Chris Mills.
2: It's still a relatively new technology, but at the moment it's quite exciting because it seems to be that it's uh, organic displays and organic lights are just starting to hit the market. But of course, you can always make things better, and that's what we're working on in the lab. And one way we're trying to make LEDs better, organic LEDs better, is to introduce methods for reducing the amount of electricity you need to turn them on, making their lifetimes longer, and just making them generally more efficient. And for example, one way we can do this is by using the nanomaterials, which improve injection of electrons or ele- electricity into the LED. We use carbon nanomaterials such as carbon nanotubes, graphene sheets, uh, and this helps us to reduce the amount of power that we need, part of electricity we need to turn on the LED and to operate the LED. This makes it more efficient and more cheap. However, having said that, LEDs are encapsulated at the moment. Inorganic LEDs. But you see the little tiny LEDs, those, these are all individually encapsulated. So this is already part of the technology. However, we are also looking at using LEDs where we make the light emitting area much bigger, large area or organic electronics. And in this case, we'd look at producing encapsulation layers that fit over large areas, perhaps centimetres squared or metres squared, which hopefully, with the organic LEDs being polymers and being flexible, would also have some flexibility in them and allow you to do a larger area. The encapsulation is to reduce the amount of oxygen or water that gets to the polymer within the LED. problem is when you put electricity on the polymer, it then becomes very susceptible to attack by oxygen. This causes the polymer to break up uh, and then you lose efficiency of the light, it starts to degrade the polymer. So you need an efficient encapsulation to keep out the water and that oxygen.
1: As the ultra-efficient L-Prize winner shows, high performance LEDs for lighting are progressing in leaps and bounds. But finding a way of fabricating them cheaper is the next challenge, as not many people will see the cost-saving benefit of buying light bulbs at £20 apiece. If semiconductors can be used for producing light by drawing electrical energy, could they be used conversely for making electricity from sunlight? The International Space Station Countless communication satellites and the plethora of government-backed generate-your-own-electricity schemes says they can, but not always, without difficulty.